half of the good stuff. Oh, oh, that's good. Vapor rub. Oh, that's oil. Mmm, <laughs> the the sweet stuff. Hello, every. I've been ill. I've been <laughs> ill. Let me just get the collar off. I've been ill. Oh no. Worse than COVID. A a minor head cold. I have had a minor head cold for the past oh. couple of days, but it's been my first full-on cold in over two years. Oh, So it knocked yeah. me sicker than when I had COVID a couple of days ago. But let me tell you something. Albus mm, oil. Albus oil. Oh. It's the poppers of decongestants. <laughs> mm, there we are. I, oh, I mean, I can't, I can't dispute that. <laughs> right? Oh, God, yeah. Oh. Mm. That gets me submissive and breathable. <laughs> it's weird having an illness you haven't been immunized for. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, but vaccines do work. Yeah, honestly. Like, and, you know, it was pointed out to me, like, on Twitter, like, you know, in those years, the common cold and, and flu and that will have, you know, they're constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. So yeah. my immune system does not know what. Plus, I'm in another country again. Like, I got sick every two weeks when I first moved to the US. I've moved back to the UK. I am around children again, and they're just vectors of disease. So, oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to being ill quite frequently again. I mean, being around children is 100% the main thing that's going to do it to you. You cannot exist around children and not be constantly oh, in a perpetual horrible. state of mild illness my immune system is like very overactive it doesn't stop any it doesn't stop me getting ill but once i'm ill it brutalizes me but but oh the land of Ulbasoil one mm, once again i never saw hide nor hair of Ulbasoil in the united states i'm sure it's there but Ulbasoil. Like my nan used to swear by it she always had a vial I mean, there's all sorts of shit that gets regulated differently between our two countries, so... You've never seen Ulbasoil? I have no idea what this no. is. It's it's basically a, a like a decongestion. Uh-huh. It smells... It's like oils and things, and it's very harsh. Like, if you... If you're anything like me and you drown a tissue in the stuff and then start sniffing, like, your entire nose will get numb. But it is super effective. Like, it is just... Harsh, minty fumes. Hmm. From what I can tell, it does exist in the US. There's a listing for it on Walmart's website. Oh, there you go. It's just not very common, I guess. Yeah, it's the first I've ever heard of it. It's got eucalyptus oil in it. Clove oil, that'll be what makes it go nasty. But yeah, like my my, um, comparison to Poppers is a little bit apt. It comes in a little little brown bottle and... Is full of fumes that make you feel good for a, for a few moments. Yeah. For a couple moments before it wears off fucking quick. It's, it's what if I made myself a little bit lightheaded so I didn't realise I was ill for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Like, lightheaded in different ways. Yeah. You know, one, you know, you, you've sucked down some dumb bitch juice, and the other one, <laughs> you're literally lightheaded because of the amount of snot that weighs your fucking face down. <laughs> Christ. God, Albasoil's good. Okay, everyone. Uh, I've gathered you all here today to do a podcast. Oh. Yeah. Oh, is that is that what's occurred? Okay, okay. Yeah, I thought it'd be a nice little treat for us. 
Um, just something to help us wind down after being sick, after getting a cat, after um, going to the My Chemical the Romance. Yeah. Um, it's been a big time for all of us. A lot going on. Yeah, we've all had big, big major life events going on for all. Yeah, Conrad, Conrad you got a little kitty. I got a little kitty. His name is Potato Wand. Oh. Yeah, oh. he's a... Little orange boy with uh, a missing left eye and just a little nub of a tail. Uh, he's he's delightful, just a real real charmer. A little shy, but uh, he he likes a belly rub. Like for realsies, you, yeah. Like yeah, for realsies, yeah. You could you'll you'll pet him. He'll flop over, and then you pet the belly, and he just purrs instead of like violently attacking you. It's pretty great. That's sweet. Yeah, he's a sweet boy. Aww. Yeah, he's a lot of fun. And 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 Laura, you uh It was just MCR all wait, wasn't it? That was it. That was all. It was just MCR. I technically played some video games. I rushed and played some this morning, but my entire week, as I threatened last week, was going and see MCR like four more times. I'll say this. I don't think it's an accident that they played one of their songs called Mama at all three of their Milton Keynes shows, because it has a line in it about we're all we all go to hell and Milton Keynes I have discovered is hell. <laughs> good old good old Milto. I'll, I'll say this about Milton Keynes in the UK if you've never been. It is the worst place for a band the size of My Chemical Romance to think, yeah, let's host a a, a big concert with like 30,000 plus people here because it has zero transport links and zero infrastructure for getting you back from the concert to the train station before trains stop running. Mm -hmm. Every night of that concert was like, oh, there is no ability to get internet because there's too many people and th this was not built for this many people to try and use internet on their phones. Yeah. And there are no buses and nothing and you have big main roads that you really shouldn't be walking on between you and the train station. It is a, it is a wild place to go, yeah, let's put a rock concert here. Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, why not? I mostly know of Milton Keynes because as a kid, CITV shows, whenever they had like contests or something where you'd write in, it was always in Milton Keynes. Yeah. And then I, I used to end up at Milton Keynes uh, on a coach trip to see my dad back when we knew he was alive um and he had some sort of relationship with his kids and it was just the milton Keynes coach stop was just this tiny little hut in the middle of fuck all in the middle of a field and that just seemed to be milton Keynes was a field and a motorway milton Keynes, as i understand it is roundabouts and s various industrial estates separated by roundabouts oh, and that go. is the entirety of milton Keynes. good stuff good stuff I had a bloody good time though. I had a very good had a very good week and now I've got to come back to reality. Yeah. Back to the real world. Oh, I hate the real world. I know, right? It's, it's full fucking travesty, isn't it? It's it's bullshit. I wanna trade it in. Oh. We should probably talk about some video games, I reckon. We can do that. You know what? Yeah. We have the power as as video game podcasters. It's well within our remit to talk about video games. It's expected, in fact, after a, after about seven to ten minutes. It's expected. Well, I'm going to very quickly tell you about one video game that I played this week. Please. And uh, it's going to be a very quick one. Uh, I played Pokemon Go. I got my shiny Mew from that quest from like two years ago that I paid money for. Oh. And I transferred that shiny Mew out of the game and I am not opening that game again. Free! You've won your freedom. 
it took me about five weeks of log into the game once a day, do its bullshit, fucker. Yeah. I'm done. I'm out. Evil game. That game's monetization, like, jumping back in ages later, it's still just seems like a really predatory game that deliberately wastes your time in order to try and weasel money out of you. And it never used to be that way, and it's a real shame that about two years ago it took this weird nosedive. Yeah. So, uh, I got in, I got my shiny Mew, I got the fuck out. That's me done. Who else has played something? I think we've all been having a crack at the old Vampire Survivors again. There was an update a couple days ago at the time of recording. Yeah. Uh, I... Have you all checked out the the new stuff? I've had a little bit of time to check out the new update. Not a huge amount of time, but I know I've got the gist of what's going on. Yeah, it's they've added a bit that gets weird. Yes. Oh, yeah. They've started with the weird stuff. And you know what? I'm here for it. There's a new level. I won't spoil too much, but there's a, a new stage with the update. And yeah, that leads to some stuff. So it gets interesting. There is a new level with a new thing that leads to some new stuff. Yeah. And uh, there's some cool new synergies available. There's an upgrade for the Laurel now. Yeah. That gives you uh, momentary invincibility that essentially lets you survive death. Yes. I went... 82 <sighs> minutes Jesus. in a run. Yeah. I gave up after, because it was like 2.30 in the morning and I was sick <sighs> as a dog. And I was like, surely I must have killed one of the... I hadn't. I had not killed one of the deaths after, after 82 minutes. So I'll say this. There are two new synergies, which if you can get them both, make fighting death head on very viable. Yeah, I, I'm aware there's... I've, I've got clues that there's another one because they give you those clues. And yeah, yeah I've not done that i need to go back and sort of make a concerted effort i i will say this the two biggest problems with fighting death are death deals huge amounts of damage and death has huge amounts of health that are very hard to take down yeah and then it's hard to focus on one after a while because yeah after 82 minutes there are so many deaths the two new things i am aware of both each tackle one of those reasons it would be difficult to fight death good 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 yeah i because the thing is is i don't i don't care about the bragging rights for death no but i want the character yeah i i want to unlock the character i'm playing as them right now it's great yeah yeah this this provides a much less i had to do a weird shitty gimmick build and glitch my way into it path to unlocking death as a character which honestly like i've not I've not done any of the gimmicky, like, the cheesing, because it just isn't fun-sounding. Like, it just doesn't sound fun. I don't know. It, it, I thought it was kind of... I thought it was kind of fun, but I like finding... Or doing that weird thing, you know? Yeah. And seeing how... Sure. Figuring out how it works on a mechanical level and, and, you know, examining it from that perspective. So I enjoyed it, but... I'm fascinated watching other people do that. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy doing it myself. Sure. Like, I'll watch a video of someone explaining what they're doing as they defeat death that way, but I'm like, yeah, not for me. Yeah. The new level's neat. Um, yeah. there's some, there, there's been two updates since we last talked about it. So there was one character that was added and there's another one that I've unlocked. I'm not sure if the update's added any more, um, but they're interesting. Yeah. And you've got one that starts with the Laurel, um, which is called little sort of Pope looking fella. And the one with a guitar who has the, the oh. pinion, which I don't like that yeah. weapon because it's like antithetical a lot. to the way I 
one normally plays it. It's basically it requires me to think for a yes. split second every now and then, and that's too much thinking, Conrad. I'm 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 empty headed. The way the weapon functions is that as you move, it leaves a small trail of these little drill items in the ground. And then yeah. when you cease moving, they fire in the direction that you were facing when you stopped. Yeah. And I like it because I do think it's nice to have a weapon in there over which you have some manual control over the triggering. Um, I also like it for just... It's great for piercing a path through a difficult batch of enemies because it just does so much damage. Yeah, and the evolved version's great. The evolved version is very pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the new update be- beefed it a little. I like it. It still probably wouldn't be a, a first choice of mine to grab. Um, I think it's fun to play yeah. with, but, it, you know, I'm not going to grab it at the expense of the Bible or, yeah. It's stoppy-starty for me, and then when I do a new character, it takes a little while to break out of stoppy-starty movement. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not for me, but it's a, it's a cool concept. Yeah. Um, and the character's very cool. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm... I'm interested that what they've added with the new update, where it sort of takes a, a weird sort of turn and screws with you and gets a little creepy. I'm interested to see where that goes because, yeah, you know, it. It. I don't. I doubt they'll get as like into the nitty gritty of playing with the genre as like Undertale or Pony Island or anything. Yeah. But it's clear that they're, you know, they're playing around with the format now and and sort of getting in your head a little. So I'm I'm curious. It's doing a little bit of, you've had this a while and you feel like you've gotten your head around what this is going to be. Let's just take you a little less confident here. Yeah. And I'm enjoying that as a change. Mm -hmm. Well, it's good because I was just, I I don't want to say I was getting bored with it, but I wasn't as eager to pick it up again after this update. Yeah. Um, I finally got around to playing it this morning and I, I still hadn't played the new bonus stage. Yeah, and this has gotten me more sort of interested in future updates. Like this, yeah. There, there are many games I play get really into, but like after a while, I just stop checking out the updates, and I very rarely like check out a lot of uh, DLC for games because I've moved on. Right. But this was like this is good breadcrumbs. This has me wanting to see what's next. Yeah. Nice, uh, comrade. You play Nathan this week. Uh, I did play something else. Uh, it's um, called Riddled Corpses. Okay. Mm. Um, I found this on the Switch eShop. It's been out for a few years, but I, you know, I, I got it for like two or three bucks because that's that's how we do. And it's a dual stick shooter presented from kind of an isometric perspective that has forced scrolling and horde waves. Ooh, this art style looks really nice. It's cute, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of like the way it looks. I think the music is really cool. The sound effects are really... The, the music and sound effects, they evoke Mega Man Ooh. in a weird way. The gameplay doesn't at all, but... um. Linda was listening to me stream it on my stream at twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman the other day and uh, thought it that was what she thought of when she was just hearing it in the background. And I, I do agree. It's it's a it's got a good sound design to it. The um, the gameplay itself is not overly complicated. You have a base weapon 
you fire it with the right analog, you move with the left. And there are a couple of collectibles that you can get. One that will temporarily freeze time, one that will destroy all enemies on screen. Um, you can collect these and use them whenever you need them. And if you get hit, you lose a life, you run out of lives, your run ends, and the stages consist of about four waves and a boss. And it's one of those where you collect cash and then at the end of the, your run, you go and you spend the cash on levels for your character and they get a little bit stronger and then you do it again. The thing is, this it's not particularly complex, but there is something oddly compelling about it. I had downloaded it a few nights back and kind of you know forgot about it because my Wi-Fi connection in the bedroom isn't great, and so it was going to take forever to download. I just set the switch down. I went to sleep. A couple days later, I'm putting my shoes on in the bedroom, and I observe the switch sitting there. Oh, yeah, that's right. I downloaded that thing. I'm going to look at that because I couldn't even remember what it was. And I opened it up, and I played six rounds before I got up with my shoes tied. Yeah. It doesn't feel like there's a lot to it, but it is oddly compelling and very easy to do one more round. The levels aren't excessively long. It's not like a roguelike where you're if you're going to have a good run, then you're committing to 30 minutes. It's I'm going to play this for five minutes and then I can put it down or I can play another five minute round and maybe it stretches out to six minutes. Yeah. You know, but the stages are independent and you can stop between them. You can pick up from any stage you started on. Um, and it's not one of those where like the, the up, the, the items that you get, the time freeze and the dynamite, they're very useful. But if you don't have the levels attained to contend with what's on the stage you're on, it doesn't matter anyway. So you might as well play a level you can play all the way through in five minutes, get some more cash, and keep building up to take on that next stage. It's very simple, but I'm having a lot of just simple enjoyment with it. There seems to be a bunch of characters to unlock. Looks like there's about eight of them. Um, I did unlock a second one, which has a machine gun thing with a little faster rate of fire. More yeah. importantly, it collects I uh, pickups from a further range so I can get that money faster so I can start unlocking more stuff. And, oh, God, it's happening to me again. <laughs> but, no, it's, it's pleasant. It's quite fun. The music's good. It looks neat. I've not heard of it before. Like, the original's been out, God, for a long time. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I did. I'm going to, yeah. It's on Switch, isn't it? Yeah. Yep, it's on Switch. <laughs> How have I not seen this one? I don't know. It just came up in the in the great deals. Uh, yeah, it looks good. Yeah, it's yeah. not bad. Huh. It's not bad at all. I set that on the download. Nice. Oh, by the way, before mm -hmm. we carry on, I um I forgot. I meant to say this before we properly got into uh, games of the week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I mentioned a game on the last episode called Fight Night. Oh right. Mm. Uh, yeah. There's something about that developer, isn't there? There are some really bad abuse allegations. Yeah, I had missed the name when you had first said it, oh. and then wasn't really paying attention. Then when I was listening back to do the show notes, I was like, "Wait a minute, that there's something about that." Yeah, there's a lot of like dodgy shit. Oh, um, no. I will say, like, I said in the episodes that I just picked it up. It was on Steam. It was in the great on deck section. I downloaded it and tried it. 
so for the people like giving me like the third degree about it, like saying how disappointed you are in me, I do take a little bit of offense at that. Yeah. It's all well and good that sort of informing me, as many people did, yeah. and I tweeted out about it and everything and wanted to correct it here. But, you know, I didn't know. Yeah. And clearly, you know, this is, is you know, an indictment on the industry that I suppose I'm going to have to research every single fucking game I talk about um, just to make sure there are no allegations, which is a sick, sad state of affairs. But I feel like that should be an indictment on the industry and not me. Yeah. I, I think it is very fair to be like, hey, I tried out a thing with no context and had opinions, and I later learned that there were some allegations, and therefore I brought them up once I knew about them. Yeah, like, I, I don't want to get... I, I guess some people might think I'm being overly defensive about it, but I was a bit offended that people were like... There were a few people who just sort of really dressed me down uh, about how disappointing it was. And it's like, I didn't know. Yeah. Now I do, so I'm saying it now. There are a lot of things in this world and a lot of things that have allegations. And sometimes, sometimes you just consume a piece of media without doing a bunch of research first and you know all you can do is address it once you know i just saw a game being promoted by valve on steam like you know um so yeah i did want to at least make sure that that was known um that there are some like there are allegations out there about the developer um sort of abuse allegations and stuff so yeah i i have said that um moving on yes I started playing a game. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like I'm a pretty good chunk of the way into it, but that's because it's a pretty short game. I started playing uh, Trek to Yomi. Oh, God, yeah. I That's a Devolver Digital published, that one, right? Yeah. So this is um, largely uh, side-scrolling perspective, but there's some 3D depth. Uh, samurai game that is uh, very much sort of... Um, very much inspired, like, your sort of... Um, Oh, what's oh, what's the the guy who does the samurai films? Um, uh, Kurosawa. Mm-hmm. Um, very much his style of of presentation. Um, it is a black and white film grain applied over it kind of look. It is all done in subtitle uh, Japanese with subtitles. In terms of like getting the tone of like trying to make this a playable uh, sort of that style of of game that feels like that kind of film, they absolutely nail the the tone. Uh, and the presentation. I'm very much enjoying it, but with like one very basic caveat, which is that it is a short and very mechanically simple game. And like, I think that that is the main thing people need to know going in is the combat style, while satisfying, doesn't really go anywhere and is very simple. Most combat, uh, so you've got a block or parry on your left bumper, You've got light and heavy attacks. You've got a dodge, which is completely unnecessary, and you can change which way you're facing. And that's basically the whole combat system, and it doesn't really evolve from there. Anything that isn't like a boss fight with like a named character who you're having a conversation with before you fight them generally will die from one or two slices. And generally, uh, attacks are pretty well telegraphed, so you can watch an attack come in, parry it, slice once and the person falls down, and you keep going. And I think the presentation and the tone setting and the short length help somewhat to have that not become a huge issue. But it's a game that has like a, it has minimal amounts of exploration. It is largely 
follow the set path, mow down the various people along the way, occasionally have significant fights that will take a bit more time to, to, to fight your way through, keep going. Very, very well done in terms of being like a a cinematic experience that captures the feel of the kind of material it's clearly been inspired by, but don't go in expecting mechanical depth. I, I've enjoyed it, but I wish there was a bit more to sink my teeth into in it. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's Trek to Yomi. Trek to Yomi. Yeah. Narrative's been good, presentation's been good, just not really that much depth to the combat. Yeah. Uh either of you played anything else? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I played some video games. Why not? Why not? Um so I'm still as over as I am with the Steam Deck, late this week's annoyance with it, by the way, is just the fact that the Steam Store is so shit on it. Like, really shit. Like, hard to navigate. Like, you can't even... You can't find all the great on-deck games in one convenient location. You can't really get to the, the brand new releases of a week. If you scroll down any of the, like, top sellers or new and notable sections, after a while it just fails to load any of them. It does just break after a while, yeah. Yeah, sometimes you're forced to use the touchscreen when buttons just stop working. Um, especially the the one where you're trying to scroll down the page and no matter what button you press, it only scrolls up uh, instead of down. Um, I'm really... oh. God, everyone. Oh, God. Uh, but but yes, in my bid to persist and at least play things on it that are a bit novel to play handheld, I played a game that I don't necessarily like or certainly don't love, uh, Days Gone, oh, the yeah. old former PS4 uh, exclusive, one of Sony's many sort of um, PC ports hmm. uh, alongside God of War and Horizon. Um, yep, that is still that. <laughs> That is still that game. Yeah. Basically a motorcycle babysitting simulator. Constant. My God, the fuel still goes down so quickly. Yep. And the it breaks so easily. What kind of game, right, breaks the bike when you use the many ramps that are around? If the bike falls on the ground a bit, then that'll be repairs down the line. Handheld, it's it's cute. Like it, it is cute to play a, a a big open world game like Days Gone and everything. But otherwise, it's still just a very bog standard like zombie open world game. Fresh things that have annoyed me <laughs> since I played it in 2019. Um, the interaction button. It's so easy for the main character to get confused. Um, a button prompt will come up to either like get on the bike or pick up an item, and you'll just sort of pace back and forth around the item instead of picking it up. I've gotten, I can't remember if I was annoyed by this back in 2019, but I'm freshly irritated by just how little Deacon can pick up. Like, you can barely carry anything. Uh, scrap, which you need to repair weapons, which you need to repair your bike. You can carry 10 bits of scrap at a time. It's ridiculous. Like, how much do you need to make a repair? Uh, I forget what you need to repair it from, like zero. Um, but you know, it can be anywhere from two to maybe ten itself. Jesus, it's so fucking annoying. And if heaven help you, if the bike breaks or runs out of fuel when you're in the middle of the open world. Because if I recall, and I've certainly not seen it, I don't recall there ever being fast travel on it. Oh, no. I believe they really want to push that bike. And you'll end up having to push that fucking bike. <laughs> <laughs> I forget if there's a, a, 
a workaround to make that more bearable. But I do remember just being stranded before, like, because it's not happened to me yet. Um, the, the bike ran out of fuel, but I was, like, in a camp. Um, so I can't remember exactly how bad it gets, but I just remember the constant bike maintenance. I'm a few hours in, um, so it's not as overbearing as I remember it being, but I know that, like, if I keep playing it, I'm just going to get fucking sick of it. Just having to stop playing the game, essentially. That's what these mechanics are. Um, they are stop playing the game mechanics. Hold down a button while you watch your little percentage meter go back up to 100%. I don't know how, like, developers think things like that are fun. Like, I don't know if anyone's ever sat down with a developer, like when they do preview events or interviews with devs. Has anyone ever sat down and said, right, this mechanic where you've got to basically be a mechanic, is that fun and how? How is it fun to need to refuel the bike constantly, every few minutes? Tell me when, when you were developing this. Like, first of all, who's, was it Stan? Was it Stan who put his hand up in a meeting and said, what if you've got to keep refueling the bike? And why did the rest of you think, oh, like constantly, yeah? And then Stan's like, yeah, yeah, like like loads. Uh, like you can't go for five minutes without your yeah, fuel being halfway down. Which one of you, like, did any of you think that might not be fun? I'm just saying, why doesn't Jason do that? <laughs> <laughs> why doesn't anyone ask these questions? Why has no one ever asked, how does this make the game more fun about most video game mechanics? I don't get it. It is one of those situations where you really would expect someone to have found it tedious, but maybe yeah. it's just not experienced enough outside of QA. Well, that's the thing. I, th I feel like the problem might be the people who are experiencing it are QA people who find every element of every video <laughs> yes. game tedious because they have to play them the way that QA testers have to play them. Yes, exactly. So, like, what's the difference between an actual tedious mechanic and one that just I've played a thousand times because I'm in QA? You'd think more people on the development team had played it and thought, you know what? Maybe this isn't fun. But again, when you've spent a thousand hours making the mechanic, do you really have a good sense whether it's tedious or not anymore? Or maybe they did speak up. Like we all know that QA yeah. departments aren't fucking listened to. Oh, for maybe sure. they did speak up, but like the the producers were gasoline fetishists or something, just <laughs> smearing petrol on themselves on their hard, hard nipples, just going, No! No! More fuel! More fuel! Oh. I don't know what goes through their mind. Oh. Maybe they're maybe like they're in conjunction with big gas. Maybe Shell or Esso are secretly sponsoring them and they're just trying to push gas down our throats. I don't get it. Why does the bike bike have to break so much? You know what make you know what what would be really good to replace the, the bike braking? The bike never breaking. That would be an amazing gameplay mechanic if the bike never broke. Now, I know that there are some gamers out there who will listen to this and say, you know what? I like that. The you don't. If it wasn't there, you wouldn't be playing the game thinking, oh, this would be a lot more fun if the bike broke right now. I defy any of you. <laughs> and that goes double for you people who defend weapon durability. Not once has any, have any of you been in the middle of a fight in a video game and thought to yourself, God, I wish this sword would break right now. I defy any of you to have fucking sat there and wished that your sword would break.
So, Comrade, have you played anything this week? Yeah, I played one other thing. <laughs> uh, just a, a little smidgen. I I saw on Xbox Game Pass that uh, Jurassic World Evolution 2 was on there. Is this the uh, park management Yeah, one? yeah. And I was kind of looking for some kind of sim to fool around with. And um, this probably isn't for me. It's a little more hands-on than... I think I I want or a little less automation involved um, than I would like. You have this park that you construct and expand and add dinosaurs to, and then you have to meet the dinosaurs' needs in the environments. And that part's all fine. The, The going out and getting the dinosaurs has you taking control of a helicopter and flying out and then you have to switch perspectives to the the dude that's sitting in the uh, side of the helicopter to to trank dart the dinosaurs that are out in the wild. And I'm in Arizona, and that's kind of interesting, I guess. It's like being back home. That's your old stomping ground. Yeah, though I never uh, I never sat out the side of a helicopter shooting dinosaurs with a trank gun while I was there, but. Um, I mean, and this is all competently done. The helicopter flies well. The switch in perspective is a little weird and having to, like, you know, travel and then switch and move to aim is a little awkward. But it's fine. Uh, I just don't want to do it. And it's the thing I have to do to get new dinosaurs. Yeah. (laughs) I can't just, you know, there are some things that you can tell teams to go and do for you. And that's nice. Um, But... It seems like going out and retrieving dinosaurs is something I'm going to be required to do on a fairly regular basis, and I'm just... Do they break out and, like, eat everyone? Do they? Do they? I don't know. Oh. I didn't get that far. Oh. I got my second set of uh, dinosaurs in there from the thing, and then I thought about how eventually I was going to have to go fly out and do this again. I thought, eh... I just I was like, oh, why can't the guy who made Factorio be cool? Because <laughs> um, that's that's what I actually want to do. <laughs> but uh, oh yeah, the Factorio dev is like proper off the rails, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I had not heard yeah. how. What I forget the exact details, but like like proper fucking just yeah. a scumbag. Oh, ouch. Yeah, kind of a bummer. Uh, and so yeah. I'm I'm on the hunt, and I've 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 played Autonauts and. I, I've enjoyed that, but I always just feel kind of wrong. No, it just doesn't feel right when I'm playing it. I don't know. That's a shame. Yeah, I'll find something that scratches that itch. Laura, you play anything else? I played one other thing, and uh, I, I'm going to caveat this by I played a little bit of a Ubisoft game because I wanted to confirm how bad the fucking monetization was going to be in it because I had some fucking suspicions okay now now i just need to before we begin yeah i just need to make sure that the listeners are aware right (laughs) there are a few abuse allegations (laughs) regarding ubisoft there are a few abuse allegations regarding ubisoft we are aware of this yeah yeah so i so here's the thing A, a couple of years ago before a lot of the abuse stuff was known about ubisoft i was a big proponent on this show of a game called roller champions uh which was a ubisoft developed essentially a roller derby video game and one of the things that i really liked when that game was in early beta was that it seemed to have a really fair monetization structure and over the years when it had later betas and other playtest opportunities 
it started to really trend towards, oh god, this is going to be a terrible monetization fest. And the game is now officially out, and I was like, I want to know just how bad this got from where it started. And I'm sure you were pleasantly surprised by a yeah. change in direction, some would say a change of heart, by a major AAA video game publisher. I wish I could say that. So, like, the the original ti- uh, the original beta for this game... um. All of the cosmetic stuff in this game was unlockable through gameplay. You might have to do a fair amount of gameplay, but you could you could unlock every cosmetic through gameplay. That was really important because like this is roller derby as a as a as a thing very much is about like customization of appearance is really important culturally Huge. to roller derby as a sport. And the idea of a roller derby video game in which you don't have at least some degree of customization available without premium purchases seemed like the least you could do with that kind of source material. And uh, compare that to the final game that's now out. There is zero customization if you don't spend money. Fucking hell. If you don't spend money, you can pick your skin tone, your body type, and uh, your face shape. But beyond that, you wear your generic t-shirt and your generic glove and your hood, your your helmet that no hair is visible through and your generic skates. And that is it. There is no customization options. You cannot earn any of the in-game items in the store using uh, through gameplay. The only option is through uh, a currency called wheels, which... Oh, for God's sake. The free battle pass... The, there's a two-tier battle pass. There always is. Games. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the free battle pass, if you do all 30 levels of the free battle pass, you can get 200 wheels, which is not enough to buy a single item from the in-game <laughs> store, and it's, and it's not enough to buy the premium battle pass, which costs 500. So, literally, you can only get enough wheels from the free battle pass to go, well, I'm halfway to the premium battle pass yeah. where I've unlocked a bunch of things, I guess I'll buy the other 300 wheels so I can have that, I guess. Pure filth. Uh, there is also loot boxes in it. Um, but, like, yeah. So it's, like, almost throwback scumbaggery. Like, Yeah, it's... Uh, and it's so annoying because the entire structure of the first playtest was you can unlock any cosmetic through gameplay. And sure, it was still a little bit shitty because initially, like those cosmetics were time-limited, and the impression I had from the first playtest back in the day was, okay, the shitty thing is going to be this outfit you want in the store goes away at the end of this week and you haven't earned enough in, you know, through gameplay to pick it up. Try and push you that way into a purchase. And that would have been scummy, but that at least wouldn't have been as scummy as this has turned out, where you are just... Do you want to be the most generic person who's ever existed in a roller derby video game if you don't spend real money? And like, I know I've said this before, for roller derby in particular, this feels like real shitty. <laughs> so, yeah, that's roller champions. Uh, that monetization got real bad. It, it completely flip-flopped from everything can be earned through play to basically nothing can be earned through play. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. If it weren't for Ubisoft's bullshit, and if it weren't for the monetization, there was a point in time where I was so into the original beta of this game where I was like, I considered like doing streams of like commentating matches mm-hmm. of it. I was that into it, and I'm I'm just so fucking disappointed in this. I was so mechanically it got so close to being like, 
here is a good, fun roller derby video game, and fuck this game. Ugh. Ugh. Either of you played anything else? Nope. I played one more thing. What did you play? Uh, I started playing it because I was like, I don't want to just talk about days fucking gone on the podcast. <laughs> so I spent a couple of hours before we began playing a game called, I keep forgetting its name, Lost Epic. With a name like that, it's hard to hard to imagine why I would yeah. keep forgetting it. Yeah. Um, but it's fine. It's a 2D side-scrolling action RPG with... Dark Soulsy bits, you know, we're like every game. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of nice. It's got a, a an art style very reminiscent of like Vanillaware, with that sort of hand drawn sort of moves a bit like a cardboard cutout kind of thing, oh, which I don't yeah. normally like. Uh, not so much because I don't like the art style, but I usually find it affects the gameplay mm. and makes everything feel a little too floaty and not quite precise. But this one actually feels okay. It's kind of um, pretty responsive. Very neat um, uh, combat. You know, dodging works pretty well. Uh, you do little cool finishes when you fill up a meter by attacking enemies. Uh, you can map a bunch of skills to stuff. There's a, a lot of... Co- it's in early access right now. It's out in July. And there's a lot of skills and stuff you can map. So, yeah, it's actually pretty good. I see what you mean about that art style. Mm-hmm. It's very much got that like Muramasa kind of look yes, to it. Yes, very much so. Um, and I, I'm probably going to play more of it for something I was just I just picked up to have something else to talk about. Let me just Google something with them. <laughs> <laughs> One second. We're fine. So it's a pretty good game. I am probably going to keep playing it uh, beyond what I played just to have something to talk about. Um, so, yeah, it's, as I say, in early access, it's finished thing is out in July. It had mixed reviews that have become positive reviews, so I'm not sure what it was doing before now. But I've certainly seen nothing dodgy in terms of, like, monetization. It seems like a pretty straightforward game. I tend to think that's a good sign for an early access game where the quality of reviews is yeah. increasing over time. It means they're generally probably pretty aware of what the community is feeling back. Yeah, I think it, it had a recent update as well. So, and yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, my big criticism right now is there are a lot of uh, bigger enemies that require sort of quite a bit of dodging. You know, they'll attack and then turn around and attack behind them. So you've got to dodge left, dodge right. That's fine until you fight like multiple of those enemies at once. And then it's like, you can't dodge for dodging. It's like, I don't know where to dodge without getting hit. Plus, there's a stamina meter, which I honestly don't think adds anything to this game whatsoever. Yeah. I, I feel like this is a game that would objectively improve uh, without it there. Those are my big criticisms. But otherwise, I, th- I think Lost Epic is, yeah. Uh, as someone who is a bit... I play these games a lot. I like them, but I'm at that point where they've got a... They can't just be humdrum anymore. Right. It's not enough to just take those mechanics. Yeah. I actually enjoy this more than I did Elder Lilies, which was a bit of a darling last year. Mm. But I really didn't get on with Elder Lilies. I remember talking about it on the podcast. I found it annoying. Um, And this is uh, certainly less that. I like that it's very responsive. I like that the the combat is very quick, uh, very efficient. Uh, I just... Sometimes the the enemies feel like it's hard to nail down the dodging, especially when there are multitudes. Um, and there's a lot to play with, lots of um, weapon upgrades and evolutions and, and lots of things to spend your little XP on. 
big old skill tree, lots of submissions that you can take on. Uh, there's a lot going on here, which I think is another one of those sort of fine examples of a, a game using early access correctly. Yeah. I think having that iterative approach, we saw it with Hades. Um, we're seeing it with we're quite a few uh, early access games that are doing it right that aren't just using it as an excuse to take the piss. Mm. You just seem to end up with deeper, richer games. Uh, Vampire Survivors as well, like as they're adding. Yeah. Um, you just seem to get richer games as they respond to the community. And, and I'm someone who's always been quite sceptical of early access. Um, but I do think if you are going into, if you're adopting early access in good faith, mm. and that's the important thing, um, just the very nature of iteration means that you get a, a, a deeper experience. And it, you can tread a line between becoming overcomplicated to the point where you might alienate people who are brand new to the game, who haven't seen that iteration. Uh, but for when it's done right, you get an impressive level of depth that I don't think you'd have otherwise gotten uh, if you weren't iterating on what you'd already built. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like this is going in a pretty encouraging direction. It feels finished. It feels like it's ready for its sort of imminent release. Um, I'm glad. But, you know, I'm only a couple hours in, but but yeah, very hopeful. Nice. Uh, time for us to get onto some news, and we've got some actual good news to we start do. the thing with today. Yeah. Big congratulations. Yeah, Raven Software's QA testers, who were voting this month whether or not to unionise, have successfully passed their vote to unionise. Yep. May Yay! it be the first of many. Oh, I'm sure. This is going to have a, an effect. Oh, God, it is. So a little bit of uh, information on the vote. Uh, there were 22 people uh, involved in the vote. 19 votes for the union, uh, three votes against, which uh, I've got the thing here. Uh, 86% of, of their staff voted in favour of the union. Excellent. Yeah, which is a, a wonderful result, particularly considering how strongly Activision were trying to union bust this vote. Oh yeah, I mean it's an absolute landslide. I can only imagine the the ones that voted against being like that little fella from that old Simpsons joke. Nay. <laughs> uh so we've we've got a few like good little quotes from uh, people involved in this. Um Becca Eigner, who is a Raven Software QA tester who was part of the vote, told the Washington Post the outcome of this election, the voice of the people coming together to vote yes for this union, is further validation that even a small group of folks in Madison, Wisconsin, standing together in solidarity, can face up against a AAA studio giant like Activision and come out the other side victorious. Hell yeah. Uh, now that the, the fight for recognition is through, we can focus our efforts on negotiations. We'll fight for respect, fight for better wages, better benefits, better work-life balance, fight for sustainability and job security, and continue to fight for our fellow workers in solidarity. Damn right. And and it should be said, like, it will be a fight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. This doesn't make everything better. It basically means that they have a fighting chance now. Like, before they had no power whatsoever. They've been named as an army in the war. That's what this means. Yeah, it, it's gotten a foot in the door. And it's put Activision Blizzard in the position where it legally has to, in good faith, engage. And that is a huge step forward. Yeah. They're no longer bringing a knife to a gunfight. In fact, they yeah. weren't even allowed a knife to begin with. So this is this is huge. And I do believe that, you know, we've, we've seen that what collective bargaining can do. I think it will lead to a, a very uh, a, an improved life, yeah. livelihood for the QA department. And... 
hopefully, I think inevitably, um, more teams, not just within Raven, but across Activision Blizzard and then across the industry will see the benefits. And, and I think that's one of the things is, you know, a lot of unionization, like anti-union propaganda works because people don't see it in action. Yeah. With tangible results. Yeah. Uh, I hope that developers, cause they, we've seen developers shit all over, like, uh, SAG and, and stuff like that, like where voice actors can get better compensation than them. And you see developers say, well, why should they? Uh, without asking, why shouldn't we? Yeah. Uh, and I think act- seeing actual yeah. team members at studios getting benefits that are relevant to them yeah. should allow more people to ask the important question, why shouldn't we, rather than why should they? Yeah, and I think that a lot of the people who voted in favour of this union feel the same. I want to read another quote from another QA tester at Raven. What's even more exciting than what this means for us at Raven is the precedent this sets for the game industry. Quality assurance testers being underpaid and exploited is the standard, and with unions we can change that. Our hope is that ours is the first union of many for QA workers, Mm -hmm. and I'm really looking forward to seeing which studio is next. And I think that really hits the nail on the head, is... You get an example of a QA team managing to pull this off and seeing it go well, and it's going to lead to others trying too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. This is what Activision Blizzard was afraid of. Speaking of which. Yeah, speaking of which, unsurprisingly, uh, they they were less than enthusiastic (laughs) following this news. Uh, Again, speaking to the Washington Post, Activision Blizzard said... While it respects and believes in the right of all <laughs> employees time. Uh, to decide whether or not to support or vote for a union, we believe that an important decision that will impact the entire Raven Software studio of roughly 350 people should not be made by 19 of Raven Software employees. They're committed <laughs> to doing what's best for their studio and our employees. Bastards. I mean, this fuck, just speaks This speaks to how pathetically out of touch Activision Blizzard's leadership is because they've said this before Yeah, and were torn apart for it. Like, the last time they made this a minority get-to-decide argument, every Everyone pointed out that, well, the executive class is a minority. Bobby (laughs) Kotick is one man and he is paid dozens, I think hundreds of times more than the average fucking employee. Like, they're so lacking in self-awareness that they still, after saying it already, after knowing that that they're a minority themselves in terms of, like, numerically. Um, Lord knows the executive class aren't minorities in any other sense of the word. Um, they know that the argument is bullshit, and the argument has been torn apart already, and they're still saying it, yeah. because they still think this is a good, effective argument. It wasn't effective enough to stop a landslide fucking vote. Yeah, and you know what? We got another story because this isn't the end of folks within Activision Blizzard trying to come together and see things change. This this isn't the end of that road. A new staff group within Activision Blizzard has been formed to fight for worker rights. Ooh. The Worker Committee Against Sex and Gender Discrimination has been founded by 12 current and former staff members, including high-profile A Better ABK member Jessica Gonzalez, and has presented a list of demands to uh, Bobby Kotick. Issues raised include improvements to private breastfeeding areas, an end to undocumented meetings with HR, improved support for trans employees, two weeks extra paid time off for parental leave, and the need for independent investigations into allegations of discrimination. 
So yeah, the ball is continuing to roll. More groups yeah. are unionizing. They are coming together in solidarity and going, let's get a group of people together and fight for shit to improve. I mean, you push people enough and they they will find a way to push back. And this is, I've made this argument on the Jimquisition and on this podcast before and it bears repeating because it's fucking true. They asked for this, like the publishers yeah. made this happen because they were incapable, They well, they were unwilling to treat their workers with respect. QA departments are going to unionise because QA departments are shat on constantly. Look, these big companies refuse to give an inch and now they're going to be forced to give several inches. Yeah. They abused their employees in many ways, shapes and forms. They eroded any sense of trust in their employees and then expected those employees to trust them when they said unions were bad. Yeah. No, you already spent whatever iota of credibility you might have had with your workforce when you constantly lied to them, when you constantly abused them, harassed them, underpaid them, overworked them. You think that after you've had years, that's the thing. These companies have had decades to do right by their workers. And then when they speak of unionization, they turn around and say, we want to do right by you. <laughs> Sorry, at what point do you think that's an effective argument when you've had decades to do something and you did nothing? Worse than nothing, you actively harmed people. Yeah. So a few things specifically to go into a bit more depth on this letter that's been written to Kotick. There are some allegations that breast milk was being stolen from company fridges, which were not secure. Claims of poorly equipped lactation facilities, which male employees had historically used for phone calls or naps. Calling for lactation rooms, which can only be accessed by those actively using them and not having to clock out of work in order to breastfeed. Gonzalez, who has been uh, pretty vocal at the, the forefront of this, uh, this, this new committee, says... I want this committee to be the industry standard for worker protections. Even though I'm an Activision Blizzard alum, I still, I'm still very much involved in organising. Uh, developers have and will continue to benefit. I cannot imagine uh, not being there for my fellow, wor fellow workers, former or current. Activision Blizzard's response is to try and pretend that they've already done all the things being asked for. Mm -hmm. uh, Activision Blizzard spokesperson uh, Jessica Taylor said in response... We appreciate that these employees oh, want to join with us to further build a better Activision Blizzard and continue the progress we've already made. We have, for example, already upgraded our lactation facilities. It hasn't specified that they've actually done the upgrades being asked for in this letter. Uh, waived arbitration. Hired new DEI and DEO leaders and collaborated with employees to make our policies and processes more trans-inclusive. Ignoring the fact that the letter is basically saying, yeah, those aren't enough. You need, yeah, to, you need to improve on those points. Well, this is an issue like across the industry. It's like, well, we're going to hire a few trances and call it a day. We're never going to put those people in positions of any leadership or influence. But look, there's an envy over there in the corner. Look, look. Yeah. Fuck's sake. So I really hope that this committee is able to make some progress because, hell yeah, it's really good seeing more and more groups within Activision come together in numbers and try and make change happen. And I really hope that progress happens. Mm -hmm. So that's that's just a really positive start to this week. I'm really happy that yeah. we can actually talk about some good shit going mm -hmm. down. Oh, but the poor companies, you know what? You jack the prices of games up to 70 quid a pop. You can afford it. Dollars! Sorry. Two countries now. My currencies are all fucked. Um, 
We do have some more follow-ups on some other bullshit at companies news, as we expected. Um, we talked recently about the fact that um, the PlayStation gender discrimination lawsuit uh, was originally dis- was uh, recently dismissed by a federal judge. We talked about at the time that it seemed likely that the lawsuit would pop back up. Yeah, because they didn't dismiss every single charge, if I recall correctly. What what they did at the time is they said there wasn't enough evidence from the initial batch of uh, claims. But what was pointed out in coverage at the time was eight new people came forward with new claims and none of those had been evaluated by the initial dismissal. And a new gender discrimination lawsuit has been brought to PlayStation based on those new allegations. The original claims were that PlayStation paid women less than men in similar jobs, that women were denied promotions, uh, that uh, Emma Marjo in particular was wrongfully fired soon after submitting a signed statement detailing alleged gender bias she'd experienced. But yes, there was a new, there was a whole slew of new allegations that surfaced in March, uh, when eight more current and former employees issued statements about sexual harassment, bullying, gender bias, and the inability to properly investigate these issues at the company. The initial dismissal said there's not enough specific facts, but it could be resubmitted with more details. And that's what Emma Marjo has done. She's um, resubmitted with more details a more specific focus on more specific things that she has tangible evidence for. Yeah. This time around, she is seeking damages for all women who worked at PlayStation's California locations, uh, below the vice president level, rather than all female employees across PlayStation studios in the US. So she's narrowed it down to specifically California locations. But apparently the allegations in the suit are very similar that women are passed up for promotion in favour of male colleagues, uh, unequal pay and retaliation. Uh, But now there are more specific allegations about institutionalised gender-based discrimination within these California-specific offices. Luckily, Sony has proven itself so committed to respecting, uh, uh, you know, a more diverse range of people, um, women especially. Yeah. Uh, uh, rec- oh wait, no, they haven't. No. Uh, no, no they yeah, haven't. we've yeah we've got some fucking stories about PlayStation. We should probably get on while we're here. Um, so you know how we talked last week about how um, oh, what's the guy's name at Jim Ryan. PlayStation? Jim Ryan. Jim Ryan. Yeah, went on his whole. We have to respect people who don't think you should be able to have abortions. And that he's getting a dog because they know their place, which he said in the same email. Let's never forget that yeah. fucking weird bit. What a weird, what a deeply weird, creepy man. Yeah. Uh, so Sony reportedly will not approve any statements from PlayStation Studios on reproductive rights. Yeah. So according to a report by the Washington Post, Insomniac wanted to donate $50,000 to the Women's Reproductive Rights Assistance Project uh, following the um, recent bullshit going on. Sony responded by telling them that they won't authorise any public statement Insomniac might want to make about reproductive rights or its donation, and staff have been expressly forbidden from mentioning either Sony or Insomniac in any retweet uh, should the WRRAP choose to make an announcement about the donation. Sony will not approve any statements from any studio on the topic of reproductive rights. We fought hard... (laughs) Oh, God. Sony's leadership at this point have to be on board with the overturn of Roe v. Wade. There's no other reason. Yeah. Cow- like, political cowardice could be a reason, but being this committed, like, they're actively stopping 
support. They're actively trying to hamper yeah. outspoken support for people who can give birth, for people who believe in bodily autonomy. Other companies are at least like in their utter spinelessness, just keeping their mouth shut, yeah. uh, saying nothing. But Sony leadership is making it policy to not speak out in favour of bodily autonomy. At that point, I have no other conclusion than they support the overturn of Roe v. Wade. If not explicitly, then certainly yeah. through their inaction. So either way, uh, what I'm saying is correct. But I genuinely believe at this point that they are behaving in a way synonymous with someone who agrees with America's theocracy. I think that they are making a grievous error in judgment yeah. if they think that at this point, this strategy of preventing any other of their subsidiary companies from saying anything is a good PR move. They are completely, completely and utterly mistaken on this count. Now, here's the, yeah. and this is the problem, because uh, I think, I think, I am not of the mind that they are in favor of, you know, restricting reproductive rights. I, I don't think that that's actually the case. I do not think they give fuck one about that issue. What they care about as an entity is not alienating anybody that might want to give them money. That's that's what that's what I see here. That's what I see here. But here's the thing. This is Sony sees themselves as one whole entity, including all of their subsidiaries. Right. And any of the subsidiaries saying anything reflects back on the company in such a way that they won't allow. And I think it's foolhardy. Yeah, I feel like them refusing to let their subsidiaries say anything reflects poorly on them as a company. Absolutely, it does. I would be more willing to go with that line, if not for two things. The first thing being, most uh, companies, we saw it with Gamergate, we see it with any anything like overtly political, they simply bury their heads in the sand. Yeah, They won't go as far as to stop subsidiaries, because for the most part, the audiences don't sort of follow that family tree of companies. Mm. They normally just sort of, head office just keeps its mouth shut. And... What Jim Ryan said about respecting opinions. Yeah. That mm. is above and beyond simply trying to not upset misogynistic gamers, which, let's face it, is a huge reason why they're doing this. I mean, I think that I yeah. still, I'm, I'm, it's very, very difficult. Just, just understanding mm. the demographics of people who are opposed to this versus the people who are in favor of this issue, I, I can't. As much as we corporations have people in them, the like the demographics can't be so overwhelmingly startlingly different that I don't think a majority of people working for Sony in America, and I can't speak to elsewhere where this is concerned, but I think Sony of America companies, I think it is probably fairly reflective of what the general statistics are. I, I think I really think this is just overbearing cowardice and and they are doing it wrong like they should you're right they should the proper way for sony to bury them their heads in the sand is to let their subsidiary companies make their own decision on this and then not saying anything one way or another on that so as to not draw attention to the fact that they're connected to you there's just something different about this one like why is it why is it sony 
all the other like Bungie is the, the the only high profile studio to actually say anything. We will get to Bungie in a second because Bungie is obviously has just been acquired by PlayStation and yeah. we do have some new news about them. But Bungie is the only high profile studio. The rest have just like put their head in the sand. They have they have shown what little spine they've got. Sony is the only one going above and beyond the call of shittiness. And I do want to note that, like, I want to give credit where credit is due about Insomniac here. Uh, reportedly, Insomniac submitted a 60-page report to PlayStation Studios head Herman Hulst following the Jim Ryan email, uh, a document that is said to have contained messages from Insomniac employees urging PlayStation leadership, Jim Ryan in particular, to do better by employees who are directly affected by the reproductive health stuff going on right now. Like, I want to give some credit to Insomniac that they apparently, like, went out of their way to do huge amounts of work trying to plead with PlayStation leadership to about turn on this stance. And I feel like that should be acknowledged because it's... Otherwise, this does come across as a story where it's like, Insomniac tried to do something and was told no and stopped. Like, it does seem like they are fighting within PlayStation to see something change here. I'd be interested to see what politicians Jim Ryan donates to. Oh, well, I think we know, we, I think we know. Yeah. That it's all, and, 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 but it's also no mistake that there is, uh, you know, those are the same issues that would anybody who is in a corporate position who yeah. is wealthy and wants to retain their wealth oh, yeah. is going to vote for. Those things are incidental. This is a marriage that was made many 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 years ago and they're inextricable now yeah and that's that's deeply deeply unfortunate for all of those people because they are morally wrong i will maintain that sony's behavior goes beyond cowardice and enters the realm of the suspicious because well for the reasons i've given i mean it's more potentially alienating to do what sony's doing to make an explicit stance against anyone supporting i agree uh, bodily autonomy because as we said last week even a vast uh, percentage of republicans think this is awful yes yeah as dumb as i think this is i can absolutely see this decision being made and then attempted to yeah. be enforced on the basis of damage control I, I see how they got here, but uh, it certainly isn't going to do damage no. control because we've got a great story about Bungie here this week. Bungie says that there will never be a muzzle big enough to stop us from standing up for what's right as a direct response to Sony uh, not authorizing studio statements on reproductive rights. And may we, may we like celebrate the discovery of like the mainstream game industry's only spine? <laughs> yeah. Like we finally found one. I mean, I don't want to, like, on an individual level, yes, there are a lot of people like who, who are uh, willing to speak up and speak out, but the sheer silence from so much of the... There's been a lot of indie studios that have spoken up. Absolutely, yeah. Bungie, I believe at the time of talking, is still the only or certainly the most high-profile company to uh, say something in support of, of bodily autonomy, and I think that is just stunningly sad. I want to say it's real fucking brave to make a statement like this while you're in the middle of being acquired by Sony. Absolutely. Like, PlayStation is in the process of purchasing you and you're like, yeah, no, fuck you. If you tell us we can't say anything, we're not going to fucking listen. Yeah. I mean, especially given what happens with, you know, quote unquote, restructuring when a company is acquired, aka layoffs. Like, Bungie's leadership right now are showing a fucking backbone. Yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, this statement uh, came from Bungie's senior community manager on Twitter uh, when asked about, hey, will you still be as vocal about supporting reproductive rights once the, the acquisition goes through? Uh, and his response was, I admit I'm just a community manager in the grand scheme, but I'm confident in saying the following. We are and will continue to be Bungie. There will never be a muzzle big enough to stop us from standing up from what's right. It'll need to be proven over time, but we continue to strengthen our pillars and culture year over year. There's so much work to be done, but I feel like we're on the right track. And then Bungie CEO Pete Parson chimed in to support the sentiment, retweeting the thread and adding his own affirmative sample with a simple yes. So Bungie CEO stands behind the sentiment of, no, we're not going to listen if Sony tells us we can't, like, vocally support, you know, important causes. That's reassuring. We'll see whether it pans out in practice, but it's nice to see them unafraid to say, hey, when this acquisition goes through, we're not going to fucking let them stop us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when Sony acquires it, that might become different if... And it won't be the... It won't be because anyone lied or was insincere. It's just Sony will have the power to remove leadership and replace it with whoever they like. But for Bungie to commit to it now, while it has autonomy, is very respectable. Very respectable. I give some. I I give my my hands up in in congratulation to them. If nothing else, for risking making this statement mid acquisition, that is a dangerous time to say you uh, will stand up against the company about to buy you. Mm-hmm. So I'll give them that. Um, got a couple of other quick bits of news. Uh EA is reportedly desperately trying to get someone to buy them. Doesn't really matter who. They're seeking a lot of different companies trying to trying to get bought out at the moment. Or a merger. Reportedly, they are pursuing acquisition and merger opportunities with a number of different potential suitors. Well, they used to be, you know, the bell of the ball, but now everybody else is buying up everybody else. And who's for them? Oh, where's our bow? Yeah, so apparently emboldened in the wake of the Microsoft Activision purchase, uh, they have particularly been seeking like, hey, Amazon, Apple, Disney, NBC Universal, any of you want to buy EA? Yeah. I feel like we're going to see more more of this. Like Ubisoft, which spent um, years, perhaps decades, protecting uh, abusers of every stripe, uh, have been talking, you know, uh, about how much they would be willing to go for. Yeah. Well, and and they were, but and just years, a few years back, they were voraciously defending themselves from hostile takeover. Like they mm-hmm. were yeah. trying everything they could to not be acquired. Yeah. It seems like a lot of executives want some fat paydays mm-hmm. and to get out. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is a lot of game industry leadership that wants some money right now. Or at least very golden parachutes. Yeah. And it's consolidation of entertainment uh, media corporations even further. Now, in the past, this has not historically gone that great with video games. Yeah. Media companies like NBC Universal that they're approaching here and, and others, they have you know bought these things and then realized wait a minute we're this isn't really our business this is more complex than we realized yeah uh, we don't and, and and those things get kicked off or or become their own entities again or broken up yeah um so i don't know we'll we'll see how it goes this time around if anybody uh does bite on ea but it's a craze yeah 
we do have a few bits of specifics uh, on this one. Uh, allegedly, EA's preference would be a merger that would allow uh, Android Wilson to remain as their uh, chief executive of the combined company. Reportedly, NBC Universal is the company they've progressed the furthest with trying to make negotiations with. We'll see what comes of it, but apparently, like, yeah, they are ridiculously like they will not give up on trying to trying to make this happen. So EA does not want to be a an individual company anymore. Thirsty, thirsty, thirsty companies. Yeah, uh, and the last one that uh, comrades just popped in the chat for this week. Uh, the Sims Four players can now choose their Sims pronouns. Good. Yeah. I thought that was just a nice thing. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm not surprised by this because, like, The Sims has weirdly been, like, very forward-thinking on trans stuff for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, all LGBTQ plus stuff, it's been very, yeah. Yeah, like, particularly when The Sims 4 originally released, it, one of the things it did that was really nice was it separated uh, gender selection from... Uh, physical abilities of your sim. So, like, it was like, hey, do you want to make a male or female sim? Can your sim pee standing up? Can they get pregnant? Uh, as things that were completely separate and detached from gender selection. Things like that are like, yeah, for four or five years ago when that happened, that was an incredibly forward-thinking move. It's interesting. It's like they have figured out that for their sandbox, you know, world creation software uh diversity is its strength yeah so the the specifics on the pronoun thing um uh players currently only in english languages but they're working on on adding this to other other regions uh when creating a sim we'll be able to pick from they them she her he him or with a little bit of extra work create their own set of custom pronouns these will be separated out from gender selection so you can have um gender marker that may differ from the pronouns used there is some flexibility there that's really nice that's a pretty good way of doing it i like that they're not tying pronouns to any other factors um if you choose to make your own pronouns you'll have to input a few different forms like subjective and objective forms of the pronouns there will be a guide that will basically be like in this sentence how would your pronoun be used uh, basically so that it knows how, how best to incorporate custom pronouns you've inserted, but it'll automatically use those pronouns for respective sims, which is pretty good. Pronouns used to be attached to body type in, in the game, and that's now being changed. That's pretty good. So hooray! Yay! Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's everything for, for news this week. That's kind of a good news week. I don't absolutely hate myself coming out of the news. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel so bad. Hooray! <laughs> That sounds great. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. What also is good is content. <gasps> and Laura. Yeah? I know you've got some. I know you're hiding some somewhere. Where's that content? Give up the goods. Oh, I got some content. Come out with your content up. You can find it at Laura K Buzz in all the places because I've got that good unified branding. Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, uh, TikTok, Patreon. That's all the things. Uh, I Twitch stream Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays at 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. Uh, new episodes of Accessibility go up every Friday on YouTube. Uh, are you trans or non-binary or otherwise non-cis and based in the UK and you kind of want to be in a music video for a cool trans-fronted rock song? Go check out my Twitter uh, or the Twitter of at ConvokeBand, uh, C-O-N-V-O-K-E Band. Uh, there is information on how you can be involved in a cool music video that's being put together. Just search Laura K. Buzz, you'll find all the things I 
put up an article uh, just before we recorded this episode this week uh, about my quest for a legitimate shiny Mew in Pokemon and the bullshit that the Pokemon company kind of has around that Pokemon. Uh, go check that out. Conrad, what about you? Oh, well, you can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I don't know if it probably, I hope it'll be live by tomorrow, but um, my cat, Potato, is going to have an Instagram, apparently. Oh. Uh, so uh, on Instagram, one-eyed potato, you can uh, oh. uh, follow the adventures of, uh, of Potato Wand there. Um, I have no idea if they'll ever appear on my stream because they won't even come into my office at this point. But you can find out at twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman where I stream four days a week at a variety of different times. You could also buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com and audiobooks at conradreads.com. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? <gasps> who? James Stephanie Sterling. Oh, that's how it goes. Uh, Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. That's how you can support this, that, and the other. Uh, I also stream. Been a little loose, uh, a bit little light this week, um, but I'm feeling better now, so I should be back to it. Uh, at TwitchTV slash Jim Sterling. Uh, also, uh, some tickets are still available just about for Pride of the Ring, PCW's, um, well, the first ever LGBTQ plus um, UK wrestling event, uh, where I will be tagging with a mystery partner against Hayley Hudson and uh, Marcus Holden, the Ring Rat, um, should be a hell of a thing. That's in Blackpool, June 11th. Um, tickets still available at buytickets.at slash PCW. Hopefully I will see some of you there. Uh, until then, we will almost definitely see you next week uh, so yeah until then goodbye bye bye